Welcome, Bird Gang. It's here. Finally, training camp has arrived. On today's show, a preview of what to expect over the next several weeks, the biggest storylines, position battles to watch. We've got our opinions, and we want to hear yours as well. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 444, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Seven months, actually a little bit less than seven months from that Week 17 loss in L.A., Football is back, or at least the run-up to football. This week, players report to State Farm Stadium for training camp. We will as well, MJ. It's been a long, long wait. I'm ready, and I'm assuming everyone in the organization is ready. And you know, you got to put last year behind you. Hopefully, you're able to grow from that. We know they made some changes to the coaching staff, and you know, Kingsbury. Just from the time we got a chance to see him out there as being more of a head coach than just an offensive coordinator slash play caller. So. A lot of good things happening for the Cardinals, and now they got to come together. This is where you build the uh, the foundation, the groundwork, and then all of a sudden you got to have the trust, and you build relationships, and that's what's going to have to happen if this team's going to make a run in 2021. 90 players, and the goal is to be among those 53 that make the active roster, and of course active on Sundays. A lot to get into, but a couple of housekeeping items to get to first and foremost. One is Dennis Gardeck, and this is not a surprise at all, but he'll begin training camp on the pup list because of that knee injury he sustained late last season. He can come off that list at any point, so that's not a big deal at all. The key here is, and I don't think this is even a remote possibility, but if he begins the season on PUP, then he'll miss the first six weeks of the regular season. But by all accounts, whether it's him or Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, they all believe that it is sooner rather than later. It's just right now they want to be cautious. And really, we don't need to see Gardeck on the field right now. It's make sure you're healthy come week one. Yeah, because they definitely can use him when he did last year, and he's a guy that doesn't really play a lot of snaps, but you would think he's going to be some of those packages if you want to get to the quarterback if you're chilling in the game. So, you know, everything you hear, he's ahead of schedule. You know, I was here taking a COVID test last week, and there was one guy in the field, Dennis Gardak, by himself. <laughs> he had cones. So we know he's working around the clock, but he got to let the body recover. Again, he had surgery, according to his Instagram account, on January 11th. So... And it looks like it was a clean tear, so that's good. When they went in there, it's nothing to where he can't recover. And I'm not betting against him, but I just think, you know, the medical staff is going to have to make sure that he's not pushing it, which we know he will, because they can use him, you know, whether it's in week seven or not. It's almost like making a trade and adding another player to the roster. Yeah, I said week one. And I, th- that's, I think that's being very, very optimistic because we don't know exactly how severe the injury was, but it would appear that maybe it's not as severe as a complete tear or a complete reconstruction, just that he is going to be on the field at some point. That is the goal. Remember, they hurt that knee, sustained the injury against the Eagles on December 20th, and we always hear, what, nine months for a full recovery? You're really not 
fully recovered until a full year, but it depends how severe the injury is and then based off of how you've maintained your body leading up to the injury. And I think many people believe that Dennis Gardeck, when healthy, at what point to your to your point as far as you know being an addition to this team at some point in the regular season it doesn't have to be September or October but Dennis Gardeck is a valuable piece not only on special teams but as we saw in a pass rush situation on defense and for those wondering why did he wait usually when you tear your ACL you have to let the swelling go down and then you know you know at this point they have a team doctor so they they schedule that based on the swelling so that's the reason why he waited and it wasn't like you know he did it you know, January 28th, he did it as soon as possible when the swelling went down. So that's the reason why, you know, he's still got a, a uphill battle to climb. But again, I'm not rooting against him. The other roster notes is backup center Lamont Gilliard released. He has since, though, been claimed by the Bengals, so good for him. I'll be honest, I was a little bit uh, surprised by this news, but then you remember what offensive line coach, run game coordinator Sean Kugler told the media back in February, quote, the center position overall needs to take the next step to get better, to get better to help our offense, end quote. And what has happened since those comments in February? Rodney Hudson acquired. Mason Cole traded. Gilliard released. There has been a noticeable attention to upgrade the center spot, and now you look at what might have been a backup competition at the center position between Gilliard and maybe Max Garcia and Michael Minette, who was acquired in the draft out of Penn State. Now it's probably just Garcia and Minette's, and knock on wood, we never see them, but Gilliard, I think, at least before the news that he was released, at least for me, MJ, would have been the odds-on favorite to be that backup center. Well, I think they want to go with experience, and that would be Max Garcia. Michael Minette, uh, seventh-round pick, three-year starter, three- or four-year starter at, at Penn State. And he's a guy that you're looking at in the future. Now, when it comes to uh, Gilliard, they couldn't afford to him to get hurt in training camp. And he was actually claimed by multiple teams. And the biggest claim True. was Cincinnati, right? Correct. Yes. So he three teams put claims on him, and that's what you do is you go back to your draft grade and you find out what you have, and all of a sudden if it's the same general manager, they feel comfortable, you know, wish him luck. But I just think it was a numbers game, and I think they want to go more with experience at the center position if something happens to Hudson. Three-year starter, two-year team captain. That is Michael Minette, the seventh-round okay. draft pick out of Penn State. 6'4", 301. Steve Kahn talked very high of him. I do think it is going to be a little bit, as you mentioned, uh, about Dennis Gardick, an uphill climb. You know, a seventh-round pick making the active roster, but someone that if they like what they see in training camp and if you can get him cleared through waivers then perhaps landing on the practice squad but I do think that that's a and we'll get into it here a little bit later on in the show but one of those position battles if you will to pay attention to because you do need depth at every spot along that offensive line and the NFL is going to regulate back to last year's rules so in other words you can have 16 players on the practice squad and it seems like you know if you've been in the league long enough uh, you're probably eligible and this year, you won't have to keep an extra punter, or kicker, or an extra quarterback because uh, you know. Hopefully, you know when it comes to COVID, um, you know it's hopefully it's behind us. I'm sure it's something that we're going to have to deal with, and every team is going to have to deal with as we get closer to the season. But uh, I think they're going to load up at certain positions on that practice squad. You know, they like their five, six receivers. You know, they keep two more. Um, it's going to be interesting because I don't think the entire rookie class is going to make the roster. 
I, I we're going to get into some of the battles going into camp, and we'll get into some of those guys because I think you know when you start looking at the fourth and fifth corner, who is that? Who's your fifth and sixth receiver? Who's that? Who's your inside linebackers behind Collins and Simmons? Is that Jordan Hicks? Is it somebody else? So you can never have enough depth, but they will clearly add to positions on the practice squad a little bit different than a year ago just because you had to have protection and you didn't know if somebody was going to catch COVID and they would be out for a certain amount of time. On that note about COVID-19, cornerback Lorenzo Burns, the former U of A Wildcat, placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. And this is something that we need to pay attention to all season long as we continue to look ahead towards training camp, which begins on Tuesday. And yes, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, will be at State Farm. Stadium. We will continue to cover this team as we have over during the pandemic and, of course, through all of last season. But COVID-19, I think, is something that's away from the actual on-field product, is something that is hovering around the National Football League and really everywhere because it is not going away. It's how do you manage it? How do you deal with it? How do you prepare yourself for it, whether it's an individual or a team? And you are going to see names, coaches, Frank Reich, the Indianapolis Colts head coach, tested positive for COVID-19 fully vaccinated and it is possible even if you are vaccinated to test positive knock on wood the cardinals have no issues this season but it is something that if you want to get away from the x's and o's of training camp in the regular season that there is this thing and you know it's it's it is not to be messed with but it is to keep an eye on to figure out how it might affect team teams this season um, especially because if you don't have available players then all of a sudden you're uh, there's some big obstacles to overcome yeah according to Frank right as you said he was fully vaccinated he's asymptomatic so he's just you know you, you may get some chills you may get a fever obviously Tylenol is good for that but he is going to miss the first couple of days but he is feeling much better and that's good to hear and of course this is on the backdrop of the tweets that we all saw or heard about from DeAndre Hopkins where he questioned his future in the National Football League because he did not want to get vaccinated, which is his right. He has since deleted that tweet and even actually went along further and saying he's got nine more good years in him. So there is a choice that we all have to make, MJ, and because of those choices, there are results, there are consequences. So you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. But I do think it is going to be to your disadvantage and to a team's disadvantage, the few players that you have. And you know when you see 80%, 90%, well, tell me which players are or not. Because if it's the bottom half of the roster versus your top 10 players, then you're going to have teams that you know might be caught in a situation where you don't have a player for a week or two, though if they're vaccinated and test positive, maybe they're not missing any time at all. Those are the protocols that we are dealing with here in 2021. Well, I thought Bruce Arians, the, the Buccaneers are in camp already, and I thought he brought up an interesting point to where you're going to see guys wearing masks, so clearly they maybe they're not vaccinated or they're just being extra cautious. Maybe they have a newborn at home, but... You know, the, the NFL uh, rule is 14,500 if you're not cooperating with COVID. So, and I, I think I read that they're going to have different wristbands who's vaccinated and who's not. So, I mean, it's going to be very clear who is and who isn't. And again, your body, your choice. Um, but it's something we're going to be looking for during training camp. And, you know, you know, hopefully everything goes to plan because they did a really good job last year. I thought when we got made to week six and seven is that. You know, the tracing is really important here. 
And the NFL has made it very clear that if a team can't play, um, they're not going to play an 18th week season. Okay, they're going to try to play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But we know last year they played a 19th week season. Oh, 19th, Remember, yes. we we have okay. we're, we're in a 17 game yeah. regular season schedule, so 18 yeah. weeks. We got, we have to keep that in the back of our mind. Yeah, we can't we can't have them going eight and eight again, right? <laughs> That's true. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting now. Um, we talked about the players' report tomorrow. This just give you a heads up, and this is from Darren Urban. Will players jump right into full pads? No. The current collection CBA signed last year limits the first week of camp. The first day is deemed a conditioning day. Days two and three are non-contact with players wearing helmets. Players can add shells on days four and five still without contact and are off day six, which would be Sunday. Full padded practices and contact can begin on day seven. And I believe day seven, if I look at the calendar correctly, is a week from Tuesday. They report this Tuesday, and then the following week will be the first padded practice. And this is something that we've seen, the run-up, the uh, you don't want these guys coming in and immediately you know, getting hit, but that acclimation period for players, a seven-day run-up or on day seven you can put the pads on, and that's when, that's when you really figure out who is ready for the National Football League and maybe who needs a little bit more time, whether now or several seasons down the road. Yeah, and everything's film so it's, it'll be interesting to see you know usually an undrafted free agent or maybe a guy that's going into his second or third year you know he's flashing in practice he's doing everything in shorts and shells and then he put the pads on and maybe he's a little hesitant so that, that's always interesting and you know I kind of watch different position groups when they're allowed to and you can kind of gauge what's going on in each position but I'm really excited about the roster I I think they've upgraded not only leadership, but physicality, and hopefully it shows during the season. And I know, Bird Gang, you're anxious to see this team as well. The first open practice, Friday, July 30th. Go to azcardinals.com for all the list of open practices and what you need to do ahead of time. Everything is free, parking and admission, but you do have to kind of quote-unquote get a ticket, if you will, reserve your seats ahead of time or once you arrive, but there is a procedure before you actually get inside State Farm Stadium. Again, all the details on azcardinals.com. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As we continue here looking at training camp, and all right, let's jump into it, our top storylines and then our top position battles and of course I think the number one storyline which we kind of alluded to was COVID-19 but as far as the players and coaches on the field for me MJ the number one storyline is something I did not expect to say and that is it's a new era it is going to be a new era on Tuesday though as we speak here on Monday unless something transpires in the next 24 hours no Larry Fitzgerald no Patrick Peterson. First time since 2003. Fitz will not be at training camp. First time since 2010. No P2 and training camp. That is going to be jarring and I think maybe not hit people right away. But at some point when you don't see 11 out there, when you don't see well Peterson wearing 21, it's Malcolm Butler now wearing 21. But those two faces, if you will, the longest tenured Cardinal players not wearing Cardinal uniforms in 2021, at least, again, as we speak here on this Monday. We don't know what number 11 is planning or uh, what he might do over the next uh, several days, several weeks. Uh, I texted him this morning. I said, I look forward to seeing you at the uh, conditioning test tomorrow. And he gave me a funny emoji like LOL. So, anyway, 
he doesn't really have to make a decision. I know people are waiting for that. Um, at some point, will he file his NFL retirement papers, or is he still mulling that out? Because he wants to get that five-year uh, you know, you can't get in the Hall of Fame until five years from you actually retire. But he's got a lot going on off the, off the field. So um, whatever he does, he's going to be fine. And I was hoping he would return. But I, at this point, I just don't see why he would come back. There's there's no guarantees you're going to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, on paper, you think they're going to at least make the playoffs. They should. And he didn't go chase a ring anywhere else. So I, I can just tip my cap to him if this is if this is it for him. But I, I know he's his second life. He always told me he's going to be better than his first life. And I, I understand people pointing to the start of training camp as, okay, now we'll get a decision. Well, all, I could have told you that back at the start of free agency. <laughs> well, we, we'll now get a decision. Then it was the start of the draft. Now we're going to get a decision. And then offseason workouts begin. All right, now we're going to get a decision. I don't think the start of training camp has anything to do with whether we find out now or whenever we find out about Fitz's decision. I just think it's another time on that calendar. Um, but I'm not buying that, oh, Tuesday, we'll know because it's the start of training camp. I felt that way back in April, back in March, and even back in June, and still no decision from Fitz. And, you know, every year we, we got him in training camp, and I had a memory uh, yesterday. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald was talking about, you know, um, there's not going to be any press conference, no tears. That's not who I am. Um, in other words, he's going to go right off in the sunset. And it, it was if I if I know guys, I'll tell you that was always his couch answer. And so clearly at this point in time, we'll just let him have his privacy. And I know he's enjoying his kids, and he's been golfing. Maybe another thing that comes out, Craig, and I don't know. Usually these networks kind of have their people in place, but maybe he is still talking about getting a TV analyst job. I don't think he wants to do games. That means you can fly in for a few days. I don't know if that would be ESPN, the NFL Network. I'm just guessing. And It wouldn't surprise me if the PGA maybe wants to bring him on. Um, because he, as, as Robert Sarver pointed out, this guy's got a great Rolodex. He's very educated. And, um, you know, you know, he told me he was still reeling from the Suns' loss. Yeah, it's and it's going to take uh, some time for several of those people, you know, whether you're on the court or off the court, but involved in that organization on, you know, getting over the grief, if you will, and then taking a step back and understanding just how special and how enjoyable that season was for the Phoenix Suns. And just goes to show you how hard it is to win a championship. Absolutely. I mean, the Cardinals were much closer than the Suns. I mean, and, and the Suns had a 2-0, uh, you know, up 2-0, and then they ran into Giannis. A great, great year, very exciting team, very likable, and hopefully the fan base is back because – they set the bar for the Cardinals going into training camp this year and the season. All right, so my number one storyline is the fact that we don't have Larry Fitzgerald at training camp, which, you know, when you look on the football field, maybe it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but that is something that is still kind of lurking, if you will. For you, your number one storyline going into training camp and perhaps maybe, you know, coming out of training camp, what, what, what to you is the number one thing as far as what you're looking for or a storyline that you'll be paying attention to? Kyler Murray taking that next step in year three. I mean, we talked about Baker Mayfield. He's gone through a few head coaches. I think he's in a great spot with Kevin Stefanski. they got a really good roster. We watched Patrick Mahomes kind of take off in his third year. You look at Lamar Jackson. There's other quarterbacks, Josh Allen. So it, it's a big year for him. Not as saying it's do or die or it's now or never, but this is his third year. The game should slow down. I think he's become a better leader in the offseason. This is his team. I mean, when they drafted him, this is his team. So there's no surprise there. And just getting back to Fitz, I'm going to miss those one-handed catches in practice. <laughs> well, now you've got Hop, 
who can get those yeah, one-handed grabs. You maybe AJ Green. We'll R- see Rondell what Moore. Rondell Moore is. So, it, but yeah, and it's it's few and far between as far as the how Fitz treated practice versus how others treat practice. It was full speed and practice as if it was a game day. All right, so that's my number one. How about you? For, for well, my, my number one was was Fitz. And aside okay. from Fitz, now it's I also had Kyler Murray on my list of storylines as well and then obviously the continuing chemistry and working with the pass catchers and then just the offense overall how much has it improved and there's been a lot of talk this offseason from the talking heads that that you know what more does this offense need to show how much more does Cliff Kingsbury need to improve as an offensive minded head coach to get this offense more consistent more efficient and maybe a little bit more less predictable that was the big word this offseason that teams knew what the Cardinals were going to do does that change we have seen Kingsbury adjust as a head coach I'll go back to year one Christian Kirk gets hurt and all of a sudden it was less 10 personnel and the offense kind of got rolling last year it was the second half of the regular season when without the ability to run the ball efficiently this offense bogged down but based off the number of changes on offense within the coaching staff is this an offense now that quote-unquote looks more normal in a national football league setting or is it still four receivers five receivers and just spread it out and try with the benefits of actually having a receiving core that is deep enough to do what you want to do offensively perhaps maybe for the first time in Kingsbury's tenure as head coach yeah, I think the offense is still going to be 11 and 12 personnel. So three wide receivers, one tight, one back. 12 personnel, two tight ends, two wide, and one back. And again, I think there's situational football. If you need to get in the field goal range, you know, at the end of the half, go four wide. If you got a couple timeouts, use the sidelines, get Matt Prater in position. You know, so I think there's times. And to me, if you, if they can get a lead in the fourth quarter, you don't want to go out there and go three and out because you, even though the Cardinals have the hurry-up offense, they don't snap the ball like with 25 seconds. They'll let it go down to 14, 12, 10. But I think, I think based on the top four receivers, they could go four wide. But I think their base offense is going to be 11 and 12 personnel, and I think that's with Sean Cougar wants, and I, and I think that's what Kingsbury is willing to adjust to. And so – There'll be a time and a place for it because literally on paper, you can go four wide now. Yes, because of the personnel you have. But I like what you said about Sean Kugler, add in Cam Turner. Those promotions, those extra duties specifically for Coach Kugler as far as run game coordinator, the the addition of Rodney Hudson, which I think was the biggest addition this team made on either side of the football that's going to have the biggest impact on the team it would appear that yes you might have some more balance and we say all the time it's become cliche but it's true the run sets up the pass you have to be able to run the football efficiently doesn't have to be for 100 yards 120 yards a game but you do need to have that offense at least or the defense at least recognize that you can run the football so they're not always just ready for four wide receivers and spreading the football out because it does we did see that predictability a lot last season yeah and we learned from you know the first month of the season you got to protect the edges and then last year you know Kyler was was banged up and they were mushed in the pocket meaning keeping them in the pocket you know this is Kingsbury's third year he, you know, he's he's probably better equipped. I think he's more comfortable, and I think he's more confident in, with his players and the staff because there's there's great communication. I think they got a really good staff now. 
Uh, when it comes to wins and losses, they're judged. It's a production business based on results. But I think he's more comfortable in his skin. Um, he's never really going to give you a whole ton in the press conference, but you could see that he's relying on his staff now. He's he's delegating, and that's, he, had, he had a lot on his plate, and that's what happens when you become a young head coach for the first time. You feel like you got to do everything. Well, now you have a really good staff. It's experienced at a lot of different positions, so it's his third year, so you, you hope he can take that next step too. And when it comes to Kyler, things I want to see is sit in the pocket an extra second or two, um, make those plays in the intermediate routes, 11 to 19, because he's really good after 40 yards. He can throw the, the deep ball. Maybe they can take the top off the defense. And I want to see him throw on the run a little bit better this year, you know, because he's a baseball player, and that should come natural to him. Now it's a little bit different when you're rolling out to your left side where you're throwing across your body. But he can make all the throws. So I just want him to – you know, he says he wants to be a pocket passer. Just give your offensive line a little bit, you know, a second or two where you can step up in that pocket. And if you need to pull it down and roll out and get somebody open, I think that will go a long way when it comes to the balance of the offense. And I do think that that is the next step for Kyler Murray in this offense to have the ability to at least look at what the defense is trying to do, survey the defense, and maybe even after you break that huddle and the defense is showing what they want to do, you recognize it's quicker and then all of a sudden you know what you're going to do even before the ball is snapped the ability to read and react that only that only improves as you get more experience in this league and he's started every single game of his two-year career now going into year three I do think that he is smarter he is a smarter football player based on what he has seen so far through his first two seasons and then you got the Rodney Hudson effect I mean he's going to be able to make the calls I mean they get to the line of scrimmage and they called something in the huddle and you know it looks like they're going to have veteran offensive line you start with hump you start with pew you start with hudson we'll see what happens at right guard i mean winners has the, the experience there and then calvin beecham played all 16 games he's been in the league for a while so again maybe their their backups are depth guys and max garcia you know i'm curious where josh jones lines who's your swing tackle we'll get into some of that stuff but um I just, I just feel like everyone's more comfortable and confident. Like They're not second-guessing things. I think they're like, hey, this is who we are. Let's go out there and do it. So Kyler Murray in the offense is your number one storyline. I kind of had it as number four for me, and obviously fits number one. Number two for me is something that really blew up over the weekend, and that is Chandler Jones, and I'm even going to throw in Jordan Hicks here because those are the two names, MJ, that have been talked a lot about but we did not see during offseason workouts. Neither was there during OTAs. Neither was around during mandatory minicamp. And now Chandler Jones, according to an ESPN report, has requested a trade this offseason. Now, (laughs) read the story and then kind of parse the words a little bit. I know you ran into Chandler earlier this offseason. So is this news now coming out because we're close to training camp or is this news coming out because this was a new request, like recent request, or this offseason means at some point this offseason? Was that in April? Was that in May? Was that in June? I mean, a lot of time has happened here this offseason, but Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks, I do think both will report, but what do they have to say if made available to the media? And I think those... Two names and what is said, something to keep an eye on because you do want players who want to be here and are happy because that can certainly disrupt a locker room if there is any, I wouldn't say negativity, but if guys don't want to be here and all of a sudden aren't giving their all, if you will, because they're looking to get out. All right, this is my five-point 
I guess, list when it comes to Chandler Jones. First, he's under contract for the upcoming season. Second, he's coming off an injury, didn't play very well last year in the first five games. Third, he'll be 32 in February. He's expected to be at camp. If not, he'll be fined 50000 a day. Fourth, the Cardinals could put the franchise tag on for for the next two years, which he probably doesn't want to hear that, but they own his rights. Um, he's, he'll be, he's 31 coming off an injury, and I've maintained that he wasn't in shape last year, and it looked like it. Now this year he looks completely different. So, And, he, and he's motivated. He wants to put up 18 to 20 sacks. So be it. Go, go for it. But, you know, I get it. I think it's the agent talking, and, and you know, it kind of reminds me of Calais Campbell. Um, he was 31. They offered a little bit different inflation back then, but they offered Michael Bennett money three years, 31, 17 and a half. Well, Calais wanted to be the franchise, face of the franchise. He got four years, 60, 30 guaranteed. Now, I'm sure you look at Chandler's numbers. His cap number is $20 million this year, 15-5. I think when you look at what he's done, he's probably worth 17 or $18 million per year, and I don't know what the bonus would be. So, again, I hope he balls out, um, you know, makes it you know, bet on himself, so to speak. But um, we know how much they missed him last year, even though he got off to a slow start. I think he's motivated. He realizes this is, you know, a, a point in his career where he's got to, you know, be healthy, first of all. And then he's got to just, you know, put his head down, uh, tunnel vision, so to speak, and just just focus on football. And I think he'll do that. The longest tenured player, Chandler Jones, five seasons going back to 2016. And now all of a sudden he becomes that face of the defense with no Patrick Peterson around. I am fairly confident in saying that not only will Chandler Jones report, but he will play this season for the Arizona Cardinals, the entire season. Now, what happens at the end of this coming season, I don't know. But I don't see any way that the Cardinals trade Chandler Jones because you have to ask yourself, Bird Gang, is Chandler Jones, if you lose Chandler Jones, are you a better football team? And the obvious answer is no. All right, so if you trade him, what are you acquiring? There is no one out there that you could acquire that all of a sudden you replace a Chandler Jones. You don't replace a Chandler Jones. And I am anxious to see how he, J.J. Watt, Jordan Phillips, all these guys work together defensively. So, yes, everyone wants their piece of the pie, and it's very simple. This would all go away if there is a contract restructuring or a contract extension. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think a lot of this is much ado about nothing because Chandler, quite plainly, he has no leverage in this situation. He has to show up. He has to perform if he does want to get paid post-2021. Yeah, and my fifth was I don't see him missing any games, barring injury. I mean, he, again, I know that the, 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 the checks are a little bit different. Usually you got you know checks every week throughout an 18, uh, 19 whatever it is, 19, uh, 19, week. 19 weeks. Now it's spread out about 26 weeks, so they're not going to miss game checks. And, again, I still think he could be productive, but, you know, when you start getting north of 30 and he's got an injury, and, you know, the injury is it's one of those deals when you're a pass rusher and you, as much he's he's got to go against these left tackles and his arms get twisted up a little bit and he's always stabbing for the ball. I mean, I think he'll come back from the injury, but that's something you have to look for just because – you know, last year he was kind of huffing and puffing at times, and I think maybe he he let a, he's let a guard down a little bit and wasn't able to get there. I'm just speculating, but I, I I just watch him on social media, and he looks much better. I mean, he takes his shirt off. He looks a lot better than a year ago at this time. Now, with regards to Jordan Hicks, this one I think is a little bit more delicate. He reportedly was given permission to seek a trade. It obviously has not happened. I've been very vocal about having – 
Jordan Hicks on this roster for what it means to Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. I think it would be a huge benefit if Hicks is on this roster to serve as a mentor, if you will, to two young inside linebackers because I've got those two, Collins and Simmons, as my number three storyline this camp because you are asking a lot from two young, unproven players, and then you look at the depth behind those two. If you don't have a Jordan Hicks, then I don't know how much you have behind those guys, whether Collins or Simmons go down or they need a breather, then all of a sudden there is not much behind them. So I hope everything gets worked out. I understand there might be some hurt feelings. You're a two-year starter with this team. You've done everything right, and then all of a sudden your heir apparent has been drafted. And not only that, but he's been named the starter, and you've done nothing wrong. Maybe your play has dropped off a little bit. So I understand where Hicks is coming from, but I do think the Cardinals are better off with Jordan Hicks on this roster than off. I would agree, and I think he's a pro's pro. Um, You don't get named captain coming to a new team like he did. He was very close to Vance. You know, hopefully it'll help those young guys and maybe he gets a chance to play. Maybe he plays on special teams. But, you know, after that, it's really Zeke Turner and Tanner Vallejo. So we're curious to see if the Cardinals look at their inside linebackers. Uh, Clearly they're excited about the top three, you know, if Hicks is that third guy. Um, You know, I think the Cardinals did try to trade Jordan Hicks and it didn't work out. And then I think there was some interest in Devondre Campbell and he ended up signing with the Packers. So I would have loved to have Campbell back because I thought he would be really helpful. But I think Hicks can be helpful. To me, he's a pro's pro. Um, You're also playing – you're also on film, so other 31 other teams are going to look at you. You know, he's probably not a three-down linebacker anymore in the NFL, but he can definitely bring some leadership and credibility to a locker room. I've got one more training camp storyline, but what do you have as far as storylines before we talk about position battles here in training camp? Or as far as storylines, what we've already discussed, kind of where you're at right now? Well, you know, you know, obviously we talk about, you know, the Cardinals offensive line and Sean Cooler having a little bit more, um, you know, possibly say, even though Kingsbury is going to call the plays. I mean, the running game, the one-two punch, I like that. You know, how much is Rodney Hudson going to improve the offensive line? But post-fits, what do you think of these wide receivers? I, I like the top four or five. I mean, uh, I think Isabella is six right now. Uh, I, I mean, I, they, like I said earlier, they can roll out four. Wide receivers, I think we're going to see Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore in the slot, and then A.J. Green on the outside, DeAndre Hopkins, and I think Keyshawn Johnson, if he continues to develop. Hopefully a new coach and uh, Sean Jefferson will go a long way there. Um, but I'm just curious. And it wasn't like Fitz was targeted a lot. He was kind of phased out. But just having him on the field, he was a good blocker. Who takes that role now? Um, but again, after the top four, I think there's a little bit of drop-off uh, when it comes to Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella. So wide receiver, that position to pay attention to in training camp. My last storyline is the 30-somethings. Every big-name addition, with the exception of James Conner, in their 30s, Malcolm Butler, 31, A.J. Green, 32, he'll turn 33 on the 31st, Rodney Hudson, 32, Colt McCoy, 34, he'll be 35 on September 5th, Matt Prater, 36, he'll be 37 by the time the season begins, J.J. Watt, 32, Sean Williams, 30, Brian Winters, 30. 
I just named eight players, six expected starters, and yes, I'm counting Matt Prater as a starter. So you are asking a lot from guys who have resumes, who have long careers, how much do they have left? And I know it's uh, it's, a, it's a question that gets asked, and maybe it's not a fair question, but I know all of those names that I just rattled off, they're very highly motivated, but it is, you have to wonder, all right, where are they in their careers, and can they be successful still in their early 30s? Yeah, and that's why, you know, when I read the Chandler Jones thing, I mean, there's a reason why the Cardinals went out and got J.J. Watt. The Paramex with Chandler Jones, they can line up on the same side. You know, I, I think they got a nice mixture of youth and experience there. I mean, yes. I mean, the thing is, I we can go around on a list. I, I believe all those guys played 16 games last year, maybe 15. Maybe winners didn't play one game or two. Um but yeah, I, I like I like the fact that you got some young guys. But do you, but in this league, I mean, yes, it's a young man's game. But I'll take experience over a guy that looks good in shorts and you know he gets in the, in the game and he's he's thinking and he can't react. So I, I, again, I think they got enough with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson and you throw in you know the, Collins and Simmons and you throw in some of the defensive tackles and then Marcus Golden to me is he's not young but he's a guy that brings a lot of energy so I, I it's, to me it's a good mixture of youth and experience where you're going to have to develop some guys um, behind the starters and I think that's the idea with the ro- rotation at defensive tackle yeah experience sometimes does trump talents because they're aware of what they can and can't do because they've been in this league for a year or two or a handful of seasons so they know what to expect all right ahead of what we think are some of the more intriguing training camp position battles do need to remind the bird gang that season and single game tickets are available azcardinals.com slash game ticks that's azcardinals.com slash game t-i-x all right as we continue here on cardinal Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Training camp position battles, and for me, MJ, I see only one real battle as far as a starting position or a starting spot available on the offensive side of the ball, and that's right guard, where it's Brian Winters, Justin Murray, Max Garcia, and Josh Jones, those four battling out to see who is going to finish out your offensive line. They say competition, but you know, you just look at his starts and the fact that he has a relationship with uh, Calvin Beecham, who's on the right side. And, and, and I thought Jr. Sweezy was a good addition. He just kind of wore down. And he's you know he played a ton of snaps. So you bring in winners. He's got what fifty three starts, maybe fifty five. Um, I'm curious, Craig, who who the swing tackle is going to be? I mean, because they say Josh Jones can. I don't know if he can snap, but they say he can play four different positions. Who's your swing tackle? Is it Justin Murray if he doesn't get the start? We know Murray can play four different positions. So, and, and I think Max Garcia is going to be your backup um, center because they, they do have a depth at guard. If you want to go with Josh Jones, you want to go with Justin Murray, you want to go with Winners. Garcia would be a if they usually dress eight on game day. So you're you're going to have to have a swing tackle, probably an extra center, and then figure out who can play multiple positions, and that will dictate who's uh, active on game day. So. I like the line. It's just you know, I, but I think winners. I hate to say it's his job to lose because you know I haven't really watched him besides highlights and read you know his scouting report coming out of college. Because Murray's earned it, and um, and Josh Jones, they're really excited about him. I mean, I I, I would think he's going to be your future tackle if Kelvin Beecham you know retires at some point. So I like I like the fact that they they're just not pigeonholed to do one thing. 
I do believe Winters has maybe the leg up, if you will, because of his experience. Justin Murray perhaps knows the offense a little bit more. So it will be curious. And I do think you're going to see both of those players, maybe even a Garcia and Jones, get some reps. Maybe not all with the first team, but they're going to get reps with those top two offensive lines, and there might be a rotation. Maybe the first day we do see Winters out there as the starting right guard. Then the next day it's Justin Murray, just to see who works well, not only one-on-one, but works well together as a group. To your point about Kelvin Beecham, he and Winters, yes, they were teammates with the New York Jets, so there is that uh, familiarity. You could also say the same thing, though, about Justin Murray, who closed out the season as the starting right guard, and then you figure that that out and then it becomes a trickle down as all right well who becomes the backup and to your point you need to have a swing tackle and again that could be Murray it could be Jones it's and Josh Jones's development I think is going to be something to pay attention to as well in training camp just to see one where he gets a bulk of his reps and then how he looks because I know the coaching staff is very high on him we saw him as that quote-unquote six offensive lineman last season but he is someone that they were very excited to get even though he was a third round pick well don't mean to be redundant but Cougar is going to play the best five guys and to me to sit here and say well you know if something happened to Beecham clearly there's a drop off but I think they're comfortable with Murray or Josh Jones there if something happened to Winters they have two backups there if something happens to Hudson let's just you know scream Um, but you do have Max Garcia so they really want to create a, a second group that it's not a huge drop off. Now, again, there's a reason why they're starters. And at the end of the day, Kugler's going to play the best five guys. I do like the depth because I do think you have 10 names that you could put out there. And we heard Coach Kugler mention this offseason. I want my second unit to be just as good as the first unit because you don't want that drop off if one guy goes down or someone needs a break or you lose someone for a game or two. And I do think. I do believe that this might be the best depth overall as far as an offense from left to right, not just at one particular position, but across the board as far as just the amount of guys that have been drafted, acquired, or signed to make this the best offensive line for Kyler Murray in year three. Yeah, and they've done it a couple different ways. I mean, you bring in Justin Pugh, a free agent. You bring in Sweezy, a free agent. You draft uh, DJ Humphreys. You make a trade for Rodney Hudson. You sign Brian Winters. You bring in Murray, Justin Murray, as a street-free agent. You draft Josh Jones in the third round. They had him ranked 30th overall on their board, so... Yeah, they and again, you can do it a couple of different ways. You love to draft these guys and develop them, but some rookies aren't ready to play right away. No, and sometimes it does take a year or two. DJ Humphreys is a perfect example, someone who waited his time, and now all of a sudden he's among the best left tackles in the NFL. All right, the best position battle on defense for me as far as maybe a starting position, and this is something that changed based off of what Vance Joseph had to say about Byron Murphy. Murphy is going to be on the field as a starting cornerback. Now, is he the outside corner because they're going two corners, or is the inside corner because they got three corners on the field? Who is that other corner? Is it Malcolm Butler, or is it a healthy Robert Alford? Now, I think we've had this discussion before when we talked about the cornerback position. All three of those players that I just named, they're going to be on the field a lot. But in those situations where you just have two, who is the second next to Murphy? I got to think it's going to be Malcolm Butler. Now, 
the whole idea is we'll see how Robert Alford uh, looks. I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm wanting to make sure he gets to week one. But we've talked about it. Teams are, are running 11 personnel, three wide, one tight, one back, about 67 to 70%. So that's a lot of base offense. But you're going to run into some teams that are going to try to play two wide receivers, two tight ends to try to get matchups against your young linebackers. And so I, w- I would assume that's going to be uh, Malcolm Butler, just based on what he did last year. Uh, Alfred hasn't played in a couple of years, and Byron Murphy. But I, I do agree with you, all three will be on the field the majority of the time. And I think more times than not, those three names, knock on wood, if all healthy, that's your starting group. You're going to play three corners. And remember, when we talk starters, it is just the first snap of the offense first snap of the defense that's the only thing they take into account then at the end of that you have to look at snap counts at the end of the game to figure out who's really playing and then who maybe is searching for more playing time yeah and you know the Cardinals went out and got Darquez Zanard I think he's four right now and I think Marco Wilson just based on his upside and special teams player I I think he may have an upper hand on Tay Gowan again I need to see these guys in, in pads um, so I think if they keep four or five corners, I think Denard is going to have to show his worth. Um, and, and again, I think Marco Wilson just playing in the SEC, going against some of the top receivers in the country, has a little bit of edge on Tay Gowan. Doesn't mean Tay Gowan cannot be a you know a guy that slides at a practice squad and be a future guy there. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know we'll see. I, I think they they could keep four or five, and then. You know, safety is really interesting after the top two starters. All right, so right guard for me, and then the number two cornerback. Biggest position battle, offense and defense. For you, where do you lean? Where are your eyes going during training camp as far as position battles? I don't know if there's another starting spot out there, but as far as maybe perhaps depth or that 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 backup that might be inching closer to a starting spot. Well, we, we kind of touched on it. You know, who's going to back up Collins and Simmons? And, you know, I think that's going to be Jordan Hicks just based on experience and smarts and leadership. Um, and we'll see about, you know, uh, Zeke Turner and, and Tanner Vallejo. Kylie Fitz is more of an edge rusher on the outside, sets the edge. Uh, I'm looking at the outside linebacker spot. So you, you get a healthy Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden, Kennard, and then Victor Demokeji. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise if he makes the roster. I mean, I, they list him as an outside linebacker. I, I still think you can put him his, with his hand in the dirt. So we'll see where it goes there. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see what that rotation is. You know, Kennard got off to a really good start, and give him a ton of credit. He worked out uh, around the clock this offseason, so he knows what's what's ahead of him. You know, Golden can rush the passer; he's good in the run support. Jones obviously is a three-down backer. So, after those top three guys, who's the other guy? And he may only play five to ten snaps. It's just getting the rotation because Chandler's going to be up there in age, and in Golden, we know he plays with his hair on fire. And Kennard, to me. Is he more of a first and second down guy so he could set the edge and stop the run? Or they want him rushing the passer. So after the top three, I want to see somebody else step up. And someone's going to get that opportunity because Dennis Gardeck is not on the field as of yet. So there will be an opportunity to be that guy. How long they get that opportunity before Gardeck returns, who knows? I'm also interested, and we talked offense, defense, but for me, special teams, who is going to emerge as the kickoff and punt returner? 
It's not a lot of snaps, but they could be so huge as far as pivotal plays in a ball game. Just how much more advantageous the offense might be as far as starting field position. If you have a good return to open a game or you get that defensive stop, you force a punt, and all of a sudden you've got that punt returner with a nice electric you know, 10, 15, 20-yard return. And all of a sudden the crowd gets amped and the offense feels good as they trot onto the football field. I think we're both in agreement that that is going to be Rondell Moore, but a year ago, or I should say two years ago at this time, it was, well, it's going to be Andy Isabella. Well, it didn't work out, so we need to see it. So if it's not Rondell Moore, who is it going to be? Good question. I mean, Christian Kirk, you can put him back there. You know, DJ Foster, he signed with the CFL team. He was kind of the up guy. The up guy really has to block, and that was Chase Edmonds last year. He was returning it. He's going to get every opportunity. And, Craig, I know they changed the rules when it comes to the kickoff. It's one of the most exciting plays in football, along with a punt return. I mean, when you can get a pick six, a punt return for a touchdown or a kickoff, it tilts the field. All of a sudden now the other team has to try to gain another possession. So I do think uh, special teams should be better. Um, Andy Lee's been consistent. I know he's getting up there, but he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He pins the ball in the 20. And then Matt Prater, I mean, that's something that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how you know this team uses field position. We know he can kick 50 yarders. Um, he's got to be more consistent on the 40 to 49, similar to Zane last year. So I think their special teams under Jeff Rogers will be, will be much better. They want to get better in the return game and covering kicks. So you got a, a veteran kicker who's kicked in pressure kicks, and then if Rondell Moore can be that guy, and I th- think that's where he's going to get his feet wet initially. They'll rotate him and Kirk if they want to go three wide or four wide. Um, but I do think special teams. It, Hopefully we're talking about it more than, you know, the Cardinals blew a game here because they couldn't kick a field goal. Yeah, and there are a number of instances where it did come down to the kicking game last season. We know the Cardinals just one game out of the postseason, and those those moments, you know, late in games, you want someone with experience, and that's why the Cardinals went out and got Matt Prater to be that go-to guy, if you will, to make those clutch kicks and send this team into the locker room with the win as opposed to everyone hanging their heads because of a difficult loss. All right, some other position battles, MJ, that you're looking at, and it doesn't, again, I don't know how many starting position jobs that are out there, but as far as depth, I know you've mentioned the wide receiver battle and the safety position as far as behind Budapest. Baker and Jalen Thompson, but uh, some other position battles the Bird Gang needs to be aware of. Well, I'm going to go back to the safety because after Buda Baker and, and Jalen Thompson, I mean, they, they went out and got Sean Williams from Cincinnati, more of a special teams player. Chris Banjo's back on the roster. Um, you know, they got Deontay Thompson. I thought last year he showed me a little bit more in the run support game. They drafted uh, Wiggins. So, I mean, do you keep five there? You keep four? Again, if, if they they keep six or seven linemen. Let's say they keep seven linemen, eight linebackers. You could go, you could go with ten, five, and five. Now all those guys won't dress on game day. But when you start looking at that third, fourth corner or um, safety, they're going to play on special teams. So um, I think they flood the position. But clearly, Jalen Thompson has to stay healthy because it allows Buda Baker to do so many different things where he can roam around and be that eraser. If you have those two consistently on the field, and don't forget about Banjo, he did start four games last season, that veteran in that room. But Jalen Thompson, who Coach Joseph has been always very high on as far as his ability, tackling, and then knowledge of the game, it's just the issue of being able to stay on the football field. And we don't need them to be on the football field 
field in training camp. We need all these players to be available week one. The other position group that I'm paying attention to, and I don't even know if it's really a competition, but head coach Cliff Kingsbury said it's a competition, and that's a backup quarterback. It was a storyline late last season, and it wasn't much of a storyline in training camp, but I do think, MJ, we're going to focus a little bit more on what Colt McCoy and Chris Streveler are doing on the football field when they get their reps at State Farm Stadium because you need to have someone that you're comfortable and confident in. And right now, without even seeing him, for me, it's Colt McCoy because I have seen Chris Streveler and it was not good last year in Los Angeles. They, they made it a priority. I, I don't know how many players there are uh, you know, on. I, I always mention RG3, and he's still looking for a job. And then I mentioned Tyrod Taylor. Of course, Houston snapped him up really quick. Uh, I know the Cardinals had interest in Tyrod Taylor a few years ago when he was in Buffalo before he went to Cleveland. So, listen, to me it's a no-brainer. Um, Colt McCoy's the backup quarterback. They cannot afford to do that again. And, and I think that that was when you start looking back and reflecting on the season. We have to get a veteran guy. And he's a Texas guy. He's played it. He's played in the league long enough. He's not taking Kyler Murray's job. He's going to be a nice sounding board for him. And then Cam Turner is more now the quarterback's coach. So I like that room right there. Um, but again, um, I, I guess you got to let it play out. But to me, Strebler should be on the practice squad. Let him run the scout team. Yeah, I agree with you. I want to see Colt McCoy as that number two quarterback behind Kyler Murray, and hopefully we never see McCoy on the football field. Just hear about him and what he has done for Murray, whether that is on the field or off the field, as far as building him up, not only his skill set, but his leadership as well, because you know this team, they believe they've found their franchise quarterback. Now, Kyler Murray needs to show everyone that he can be that franchise quarterback. Yeah, and, and normally Cliff does a good job on Kyler, especially if it's three and out and he's frustrated. You know, he goes to the end of the bench, and then you'll see the Cam Turner with the green hat. Now, McCoy, nothing against Brett Hundley. Hundley was competing for a job, and he probably felt like, you know, I'm the third-string quarterback, so I'm just going to stay in my lane here. I got to think when he comes back, and eventually Kingsbury comes over there looking at the uh, iPads, the Microsoft iPads, and then you got a guy like Colt McCoy. Hey, look for this. This defense is showing you this look, but when you snap the ball, they're showing you a different look. So that only can help that. Again, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen, but I think he respects the fact that Colt McCoy – was a really good college quarterback, and he's a true pro when it comes to being the backup quarterback. Yeah, couldn't say it's much better than that. All right, any other position battles? We, I didn't bring up running back, and I know there's some out there that are wondering about Chase Edmonds and James Conner. I don't, as far as the number who starts, who doesn't, I don't think it matters any. And as far as touches, I think there are two different running backs that are going to complement each other and complement this offense depending on what the offense needs at a particular moment in the game. Could couldn't agree more. That's a great word. Complimentary. Uh, again, when the Cardinals face third and two, fourth and one, you know, Connor's 6'3", 222 pounds. I mean, let, let him barrel through there, and if he can break a tackle, now it's a five- or six-yard gain. Chase, to me, 15 to 18, um, maybe 15 to 17 carries, and then four to six targets in the passing game. You know, Connor's not really a guy that's probably going to line up in, in, in the passing game unless somebody's going to leave him open. But they like their one-two punch, and they're kind of intrigued with Jonathan Ward. He's more of a special teams player, and then we'll see what happens with the rest of the roster. Yeah, the third running back is something that I think will get talked about. But again, you're not looking at a number of touches. It might be two a week, if that, especially if Edmonds and Connor are rolling or are healthy. Yeah, and you know, Jonathan Ward got a chance to play last year. He had a touchdown, but. You know, people are going to say, why don't you guys mention it? You know, Benjamin, we'll find out. I mean, we'll see where he's on the depth chart. Usually that's kind of in Cran. Um, 
but is he getting reps? Um, is he playing on special teams? Because he doesn't play on special teams, and you know I think he's got a skill set that can help, but right now I just think he's fourth or fifth on the depth chart. Bird gang, we leave anyone out? Hashtag cards cover two. Hashtag cards cover two. It's, it's hard to squeeze every player in here on this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Yet we do our best here on this pre edition or training camp preview edition we didn't mention the tight ends and (laughs) we still think that again we can go through every position we've done that you know just evaluation where they are from now to last year but how about Sykovitz I mean I'm looking forward to seeing him in the pads yes because you know he's got a following out there he's guaranteed a roster spot I still think the Cardinals want to go out and try to pass catching tight end I know Jesse James signed with somebody else I liked his name just because he can do a little bit of both but I'm looking forward to seeing Sykovitz I know that you know Hopefully he gets a chance to play in the preseason. You don't want to put him in harm's way, but he looks the part. Now it's a matter of how comfortable he is and he can play faster. But great story there, and I know he's got a huge fan base. Six foot five, two hundred and sixty-two pounds. Psycho. That's yes, that is his nickname, and he's okay with it. We will continue to say it. Although as you mentioned, uh, it is one of those uh foreign last names that we can all pronounce, yet we'll just go with the nickname <laughs> Psychovitz as opposed to Bernhard Psychovitz. So Psycho, yes. I'm looking forward to it as well. I do think it's a long shot, though, that he would contribute this season. He wears number 43, obviously a lot taller than Hassan Reddick. I want to go see him cover a kick because <laughs> he's he kind of has that mentality where he can't do this stuff on the street. And, you know, Wolf's up there. He's probably going to encourage him. So I just I just hope that it's, he's not overwhelmed. But, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, he's, he's, he's doing his, everything he can do to put himself in position to at least turn some heads in training camp. But, again, uh, I think it's a great story, and worst-case scenario, he'll be on the practice squad. Bird gang, like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Next stop, State Farm Stadium and the starts of training camp. For our producer, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.